Welcome to We Got Balls, real, raw, masculine sex talk with Chris Inman and Scott Cohn. Chris and Scott both work with men who want to leave their unwanted sexual struggles in the past. They are willing to do whatever it takes to help men get curious about what drives their compulsive sexual behavior. With that said, here we go. Hey everybody, we're back for another episode of We Got Balls. Scott and Chris here. And Scott, uh, there's a story that I've been thinking about that I that I want to tell you, and it may be a little shameful, but I'm just going to go for it because you know we're all right. we're all about being vulnerable here, right? So when I was a kid, uh, you know, I grew up in the '80s, and uh, I watched a lot of Care Bears. You know, what Care Bears are you ever heard of those? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know those 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 uh, cartoon. Uh, It started off as teddy bears, and then it went to different kind of um, animals and, you know, the Care Bear friends. And in my, say, first, second grade, six, seven, eight-year-old brain, um, I started having these fantasies. Now, let me just be very clear. I didn't didn't experience any childhood uh, abuse, sexual abuse. Uh, I didn't even really know what it looked like for someone to be naked, frankly. But I started having these fantasies about naked Care Bears. And, you know, it wasn't like they were, they had genitals. It wasn't penises and vaginas and boobs, but it was like this Care Bear that was just stripped skin colored and was just very free and very open and, and, and walking around. And, uh, you know, we there wasn't any sex acts going on in these fantasies, but it was just this very young, naive experience within my own self where it resonates. Like I remember that, you know, 40 years later in my own childhood. And so when I think about that, you know what I think about? I think about hentai. Think about the, the, the <laughs> rising craze of cartoon porn that's out there and becoming more and more popular. What do you hear in all that? Uh, you know, that's a really interesting um experience that you had there. So it makes me curious about um, what you said in your, in your telling that story, like you hadn't really been exposed to nudity. So did you not, did you sh- not shower with your dad as a little boy growing up, like get no, him no. up in the shower and hose no. off? With him? Not okay. really. I mean, the, neighborhood kids, now, the, the next door neighbor kids ran around naked. Now that's a whole nother story that I'm not going to get into, but yeah, I mean, th- there was some, hmm. In the, in, in the sense of sexualized nudity, no, I didn't have any of that. So, but but even exposure to kind of normal nudity, it was kind of was it off the limits in your house? Did every was everybody really shy about their bodies or yeah. what? Yeah, pretty buttoned okay. up, covered up, nobody walking around. Yeah. Okay, um, you know, from a developmental standpoint, from what I know about child psychology, there is this kind of. Um, I think they call it the the narcissistic stage, which is about um, toddler time period, where kids tend to run around naked and explore their bodies and you know have a lot of freedom. I know my 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 granddaughter is six, and she. So I don't know if there's another phase. I would have to look into that or um, to see in development if there is another kind of burst of freedom of nudity type of developmental stage. But my, my granddaughter definitely has that because I was getting her in the shower a couple of weeks ago and she was buck naked and she just started running through the house going, I feel so free. And she's, she's six 
so she's about she's about to turn seven this fall and so she's about in that same age and it's it's interesting that um at around seven or eight years of age about 50 percent of boys have had a lot of same-sex play with other boys kind of playing doctor a lot of them had that same experience with girls so i think there is a normal developmental stage where just nudity and the body becomes really kind of interesting. There's there's two periods. But, One is early, early why, in development. Why Care Bears? <laughs> what the heck, man? <laughs> well, what is, what does, um, let, let me ask you now, what does nakedness symbolize or represent to you now uh, when somebody's yeah. naked? Oh, innocence, vulnerability, authenticity, uh, you know, not hiding, um, you know, there it's it, it when I when there's nudity, it, it feels like you're getting the real deal. You're getting, you know, the full okay. formed experience of another person or another in this particular sense, this image. And what the, the term care bear itself uh, kind of connotates the fact that they were very loving and tender and caring yeah. and so at that, that stage care in your stare. life they, were, they just opened up their chest and all the love came pouring out like a big love rainbow that was the that was the appeal of the of the care bears right and it was like pure so, it was so it was so good so in the relationship with your mom and dad did you feel you got a lot of vulnerable tender care from them at that stage of your life no Do you think a child at seven or eight needs? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, huh? <laughs> yes. At seven or eight, I, I, I definitely needed a lot of that, but I'm just curious. I mean, there, I could have objectified anything. What was going on with this idea of, of the, of the care bear, the fictional cartoon bear. Now I did have a actual stuffed care bear in my room, but this it's a fantasy. It's this, it's this not real thing, but it was something visual. It was something I could see that represented something else to me that I'm just, you know, it, it doesn't really make sense in my mind. Well, it actually makes a lot of sense when you combine the fact that um, nudity and looking at various parts of our body is part of our arousal template. In fact, there's four mm -hmm. areas of the human body that are highlighted in our brains as scenic lookouts or points of real interest in terms of sexual okay. cues. And that's breasts and chests, um, butts, feet, and penises. For males, those areas are- or Genitals. Genitals yeah. are, are big areas of interest, but it's specific, males specifically look at penises. If you look at the search volume in Pornhub by body part, those are in the book of Billion Wicked Thoughts, they document how they, comb through all of these millions of searches and they found out that men in particular, whether they're gay or they're straight identified, will look at those four body parts in order. So they start they start looking, you know, breasts is the number four most popular term, uh, butts is the number three, feet is the number two, and penises is the number one, both with gay and straight men. So those are the scenic areas of interest called visual sexual cues, areas of the human body that are cues of sexual interest for us visually. But there's also 
nerves that come down from uh, our brain stem as well as from our uh, spinal cord that go to those specific areas as well. Nipples in our breasts, no. uh, genitals, our anus, mm. rectum. And so those areas are sensory cues in terms of touch as well. So you mentioned that you had a Care Bear in your room. So yeah, remember the old psychology experiment um, in, you learned about in high school or college where they took little monkeys and they would put them in a cage with a mommy facsimile that was made out of carpet and didn't have a nipple right. in it. And then the other one was made out of chicken wire and it had a nipple sticking through. And the, the baby monkeys would spend all their time on the carpeted monkey mom, except when they fed and they'd go over and, and feed and then come back and be on the carpet. So tactile sensations is probably our primordial way of connecting with one another. That's how mothers connect with their babies, holding them, stroking their faces and their bodies and so on and so forth. So it's our, it's our first form of communication as human beings. So it makes a lot of sense. You know, kids grow up with stuffed animals. It's a way of feeling comfort and connection. And I think mm -hmm. you probably extended that from your, whether you watch the cartoon first and then get a Care Bear stuffed animal or whether it comes, what comes first, it doesn't matter because both those visual and the tactile sensory cues are really important cues for communication, comfort, and care, and just being connected to one another, right? So that makes sense. Right. So that that makes a lot of sense when you're thinking about hentai, um, it, which is, you know, cartoon, anime, porn, because... In that respect, all those things that you mentioned, you know, uh, genitals, penises, especially breasts, butts, feet, uh, and even in, in, in a, another area that wasn't really mentioned, but I think is important when I talk about visual cues, faces. <laughs> I mean, I searched for, but in the process of, of looking at, you know, things that I'm attracted to in pornography, faces are, are a big component or absence thereof, right? You know, the headless porn. Is that there's there's so much in that that hentai that is an exaggeration of what you're just talking about. I mean, you know, everything is like like a cartoon. Everything is made bigger and uh, a, a and more dynamic than it is in in real life, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. In fact, if you look at how most cartoons are drawn, the eyes are much larger than regular eyes would be drawn, right? So. That goes yeah. back to, again, visual cues of connection because the human face is the primary way where emotion is displayed. So think about it this way. Like mm -hmm. you take an actress like Reese Witherspoon and she's playing a role in a part and she's supposed to act surprised when something happens. She can display surprise on her face consciously. But when something happens that subconsciously or she's not expecting it, surprises her, she cannot not show surprise. It's hard to suppress mm. genuine emotion from our human expressions. And so much of how we connect with one another and show comfort to one another is through our facial expressions and the gaze of our mm. eyes. And the, you know, the scientists, neuroscientists will tell you nonverbal communication comprises about 70% of human communication. So we do things with our eyes, our gaze, 
our tone of voice, the speed at which we talk, the speed at which we use words, which is called prosody, all of those things, as well as body language, are primary forms of communication through all of our lives, but especially in our developmental years. So what cartoons do is they kind of take those elemental ways of connecting and feeling comfort and connection, and they exaggerate those. And now what hentai porn is doing, I think, is taking those very primordial, basic, fundamental ways by which we feel connected and comforted, and it's sexualizing them, and it becomes a form yes. of grooming to introduce younger kids to pornography and sexual content. So, you know, a lot of people don't know what hentai means. It's a Japanese term. It comes from, you know, anime. So anime is this very stylized form of cartoon drawing where, you know, the characters have big eyes, kind of childlike faces, and then teenage sexualized bodies in hentai porn. So you get combinate and you get really unique combinations in in hentai porn where the penises will be the size of somebody's forearm. You'll have girls that are wearing skirts that end up having penises under the skirt. So it's it's combining sexual cues from male and female um, mm. and monsters and all that stuff. So you, it's basically a grooming um, medium to take to, to hook children who are already accustomed to watching cartoons and kind of finding fun and comfort and meaning from all of that growing up as kids and bringing them into a sexualized experience early on that becomes kind of a feeder for porn. It's the most popular. But isn't that, yeah, isn't, isn't there a piece to that where you, you've got um, the natural human development piece in there too? I mean, most children watch cartoons, right? I would say all children, to some extent, watch cartoons or, or that that type of overemphasized visual medium, because it's attractive. I mean, you know, you put babies down; they're looking for big eyes, big faces, big expressions, those kind of things. And I think in, in that, isn't there some piece of hentai that's really taking the natural course of human development to to go from innocence and naivety and connection? And then entering in sexuality in a place that's like, you know, I mean, what what I think of all of us go back to look at our first exposure to porn. We found it too early. I wasn't ready for this exposure. And now I have these two things connected, the innocence and the the bigness of the of the image now with the embodied desire. I think you were talking about earlier with, the you know, with the with the, with the nerves, it's not just that I'm turned on in these areas, but that the visual sight of them turns me on. And then the more I see them, the more I'm turned on. It's this amplification of that in a very artificial medium, right? Yeah. And my, both I'm, my brain and my body are hardwired to both visually be stimulated by a lot of the characterizations or the exaggerated features drawn on the hentai anime, big breasts, bubble butts, mm -hmm. pe big yeah. ginormous penises, um, really petite. Lots of times, colors. Lots of colors. And, um, but 
those areas of my body also are pleasant to my touch. So I'm sexually aroused by what I'm seeing and I'm sexually aroused by what I'm seeing displayed in bo in bodily form, you know, the sex acts and so on. So it's it's combining multiple multiple sensory inputs to really arouse a child before they're ready for sexual arousal, right? And mm. We know that um, the age of exposure to porn has dropped from 10 years of age to about eight years of age. And at the same time that that age has lowered, hentai porn has risen up to be one of the most popular forms of porn, you know, on the porn sites. Well, who's watching that? It's kids. And so well, that's their... Yes. And it's kids, but it's also kids who grow up in that environment and that becomes their default uh, arousal template structure. I'm, I'm, right. I'm aroused by this, right? Yeah. And, and now you've got, um, you know, you can tell by my background, I like comic books and you've got those types of scenarios that are being played out as well. Superhero mm. sexual scenarios mm -hmm. that they call it cosplay mm -hmm. or role-playing. So a lot of what used to be a part of childhood has now been leveraged by the porn industry to kind of bring kids in through something they're familiar with and attracted to and comfortable yes. with. And then they introduce sexuality as a part of that. It's really, really kind of a dark, um, it's just insidious really, because it hooks in deeply to something that they're all very familiar with. And then now, now introduces sex through that Avenue before they're ready. Yeah. And, and it's also a customization of, you know, my, my cued sexual interest, what I see, what I like, let's say I am attracted to women with big breasts. Now I can draw or someone can draw as big a breast as I want on a, on, on a, on a body. And so That's there's right. that, cust there's that customization of, you know, maybe I'm a, I'm a, I'm a boob guy. Maybe I'm a, a, a penis guy. Maybe I'm a, a, a you know, a, for some people are feet, you know, those very small petite feet on a very busty woman is this idea of what does it look like to, to customize my arousal structure with the things that turn me on and what I see when I'm looking for sex and make that even more exaggerated. And I think, and we'll talk about this in a future episode, there's something called AI porn that's just now coming out, and this is 2023 when we're recording this, which is even more subtle in the way that it addresses. It's like hentai, but re more realistic. The boobs are not, they're big, but they're not crazy big. You know, it's just slightly exaggerated, and it, it's almost believable that I can, that I can uh, customize these experiences exactly for me. Um, and there's a whole nother realm of virtual pornography and all that that I'm sure we'll cover in the future. But this is where this is heading, right? This, this hentai is kind of the, the prequel to that kind of sexual customization. Yeah, it's, it's a really good point. So going back to cued visual sexual interests, we have those four body parts, breast, chest, butt, feet, penises. Um, those are highlighted in the human brain as areas of interest. The other mm -hmm. element that we didn't talk about is size, big breasts, bubble butts, big butts, mm -hmm. big penises. 
So size is an indicator of virility or fertility. Virility for men, you mm. have the ability to be a, a sexual stud. Fertility in women, you can you can breed, you can produce babies, right? And those are hardwired aspects that we're drawn to and aroused by. So in general, you know, men prefer this figure eight, very voluptuous mm -hmm. body on females worldwide, universally throughout time. Why is that? Because big breasts and a big hip to butt ratio or butt to hip ratio actually is an indication of that female's ability to produce children, which is why we're having sex. One of the major reasons we have sex is to, to continue on the species, right? So we're designed by God to be drawn to those kinds of visual cues for uh, fertility and for sexual receptivity. Um, and again, you know, we talked about this in our penis episode that there is the cultural belief that the size of a man's penis determines his virility and his power and his ability to breed. So drawing huge penises and breasts are all part of this kind of tapping into our natural hard wiring. But when you then take it and put it in an environment where you can customize or people can can mix and match whatever they want that they find arousing, it creates this situation that becomes much more stimulating, and psychologists call this a supernormal stimulus. This becomes much more highly arousing than you can find in a regular setting, right? Mm -hmm. So um, we've discussed this before, but it's worth mentioning again that there was a really famous experiment done with butterflies in the 70s where the scientists took a species of butterfly and they made a plastic facsimile of the female, but they painted it with very vibrant colors so that the plastic butterfly model was much more vibrantly colored than the actual females. And then they took it and they mm. put it in a cage full of males and females, and the males would only mate with the plastic butterfly because it was much more stimulating to them than the actual coloring of the of the real butterfly. And a lot of this pornography is like that because it allows you then to customize scenarios in your mind. And that's what AI porn will actually go to is you'll be able to cobble together the ultimate experience in porn with what the porn character says to you, what they look like, the kinds of sex acts they'll be engaged in. And you're never going to be able to find anybody in the real world that matches that. So it's going to create a yes. stimulus expectation that's up here. And in reality, yes. what you get is down here. And now you can see where the sexual functioning problems start to come in, particularly for young men. Because if mm -hmm. I have masturbated to pornography that meets my every fantasy for years, and then I go to get married to a female who's down here, I'm going to have a hard time getting stimulated when my stimulation has been set at this set point up here. So this is how premature ejaculation, how uh, right. erectile dysfunction, the ability, the inability to get aroused, the inability to maintain an erection becomes a problem in guys that are 18 to 34 years of age. They're already experiencing it with porn use, normal porn use. But imagine when you can cobble together the ultimate scenario with a couple of clicks of a button or you fill out a, a questionnaire that now customizes all your porn to your greatest possible fantasy desires. You're never going to be able to find well, anything I, in real life. 
Yeah, I think what you're what you're saying, Scott, is is absolutely true. And it's it's really why we're we're having these conversations is because this level of disconnection is not growing less and less. It's growing more and more. And uh, we've experienced this in our own stories, in our own relationships, where we tried to take something that was artificial and make it fit into the mold of connection that would make me feel loved and safe and secure. And it just blew up in every way possible. And so what we're trying to do is invite maybe, you know, hentai is your porn of choice. And so we're trying to invite you to say, is that really what you want? Yeah, it's it's fantastically looking. I mean, the it, like Scott just said, the beautiful bright butterfly. But is but the butterfly is plastic. It doesn't move. It doesn't see you. And that's one of the things that I think we would say not only in the search for intimacy and connection is we're human beings that want to be seen. We were hardwired to be seen and nothing in porn is ever going to see you. But yet there's things in porn that feel like they might see you. You know, those care bears, when I was a kid saw me in my, in my pain as illogical and stupid as that story is, that's what worked for me as a little boy. But how different is the stories that porn is telling you from that, really? Instead of the Care Bear, it's the voluptuous person on the screen that yeah. sees me. In my imagination, I'm imagining, oh, they see me, they understand me, they know exactly what I need and want. Yeah. And it's not really any different. Nope. It's not. But there's a story behind it all. And that's where we want to invite you to. And keep showing up for more conversations like this. We want to give you some uh, some hooks, some cues to begin to get curious about what's going on in you, your story. What are you looking for that your porn searches or you're, you're sexually acting out? They're 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 scratching that itch maybe for the moment, or maybe they're not. Maybe they're not working as well as they used to. And there's a story behind all of that. So we want to invite you to that as we continue to explore sexual arousal and everything that comes with it. We look forward to seeing everybody back again soon on the next episode of We Got Balls. Good to see you, Scott. Take care. See you, Chris. Bye, everybody. Don't forget to subscribe for more episodes. You can connect with Chris at PornFreeMasculinity.com and with Scott at SuccessfulMen.com.